Well, praise God. Talking about um, Kenneth E. Hagen, he was born on August 20, 1917, Saturday, at uh, um, the 900 block of East Standifa. Now, about two or three days before he was born, his mother, uh, she was um, heavy with his pregnancy. He wasn't yet up to term. Um, but then, her husband had been gone. He was quite irresponsible, Jess Hagen. So, um, her folks had advised her not to marry him, that he wasn't going to turn out to be irresponsible. He was the only boy surrounded with all sisters. He was pampered. He was um, not really taught how to take responsibility. Well, but she had said, well, if I lay my bed hard, I'll lie on it hard. So she laid her bed hard, but lying on, on it hard was a bit difficult because he was gone. And here she was, she already had um, uh, two children. First one, Olita, then Dub was the second, and then Brother Hagin was the one about to be delivered. So finally, just out of uh, concern for the baby, she went to her folks who stayed about two, three blocks away from where she lived. As she was on her way, right in McKinney, Texas, all of a sudden in August, where the clouds were meant to be clear, she first had the rough uh, noise like wind blowing. Uh, on leaves she was wondering what's that sound where's that coming from and lo and behold the cloud began to descend until it descended right above her head and then jesus stepped out of the cloud and stood in front of her and said to her fear not the baby shall be born his name shall be called john for just as john the baptist was a forerunner of my first coming he'll be a forerunner of my second coming now um then Jesus disappeared, left. She was scared. She ran, ran to, uh, she was right in front of Aunt Mary's place. When she got to her folks and narrated the experience, they told her not to tell a soul, which she didn't. Now, um, she had been sick and um, the baby also was premature. The doctors wanted to make a decision whose life to save, whether, uh, but that they both couldn't make it. Well, Brother Hagin was born, Kenneth Erwin Hagin was born, um, like I said, August 20, 1917, born premature. When he came out, the doctor that delivered him, J.C. Irwin, um, actually his middle name, Irwin, was from that doctor. The man pronounced it Irvin, but it's spelled Irwin, E-R-W-I-N. Doctor said he's dead, told his grandmother, um, to go and bury the body. It was with all clothed. He weighed just about two pounds. So he weighed less than two pounds. Even in this day with incubators, babies who weigh two pounds stand almost no chance of survival. Not to talk about in that day. He was born premature, less than two pounds. He didn't have fingernails. He didn't have eyebrows. It was a bad case. Well, when she, she took a shovel, uh, from the smokehouse got where she was going to dig and bury the body in the compound when suddenly she detected a spark of life about him on discovering the spark of life she told the doctor the doctor gave her a pack of baby food and told her that this baby food will outgrow him but somehow he outgrew the baby food and um, 
So the purpose for his life was established in that vision where Jesus appeared to his mother and told her, Fear not, the baby shall be born. His name shall be called John. For just as John the Baptist was a forerunner of my first coming, he'll be a forerunner of my second coming. Now, obviously, he wasn't named John by his mother or by his parents. He was named Kenneth. Now, um, I'll fill us in on this part about his purpose. I'll come to that in a bit. But um, born premature as he was, his entire chest region was deformed. In that day, there were seven diseases, seven known organic diseases of the heart. Of the seven, he had two of them and they were incurable. In addition to those seven organic heart diseases, his heart was also deformed. Not only was his heart deformed, his entire chest region was deformed. And um, doctors said he didn't stand a chance in a million to live to be 16. That nobody that medical science has any record of in his condition had ever lived to be 16. Well, in addition to that, he had a blood disease that was incurable. And doctors said if he didn't have the heart condition, the blood disease alone would prove to be fatal. His um, red blood cells were being destroyed by the white blood cells faster than his body could do anything to fix that. One time, Dr. Mathers took his blood and he, he asked him, he said, how come my blood is pale orange instead of red? Then he explained to him, you've got a heart, uh, in addition to the heart disease, you've got a blood disease too that's incurable. Well, um, he got bed fast April 22nd, 1933. And um, in a dramatic experience that night, 7.30, he, he, he leaped out of his body. He actually died, went to hell three times. He got back into his body 20 minutes to 8 o'clock as he prayed the sinner's prayer, uh, 405 North College Street in the South Bedroom in McKinney, Texas. He got gloriously saved. He got born again. And that was um, about four months before his 16th birthday. So he was going already the way the doctor said he would go. He got bedfast that same day. Uh, but now he's saved. Now being saved, he had um, the Holy Ghost living in his spirit, bearing witness with his spirit that he's a child of God. And he began to teach him scriptures. You know, he said it started with a witness on the inside of him that told him, you don't have to die at this early age, you can be healed. You don't have to die at this early age, you can be healed. It was just a witness, you know, after getting saved because the doctors had told him, just get ready to go. One day he plain blotted out, if I can be healed, how? And this time around, it was the still small voice of his spirit spoke up and said, it's all in the book. He knew what book that must be, the Bible. So he got his grandmother Drake's Methodist Bible, as he used to call it, large print. They propped it up in front of him and he started reading, started from the New Testament. Eventually got to Mark 11, 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things ever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. He knew if that verse means what it says, is coming off the bed. Well, he tried to get his pastor to come and explain to him that those scriptures really mean what they say. The pastor didn't come. Another pastor wouldn't come. The only one that came patted him on the back and with a professional voice said, Just be patient, my boy. In a few more days, it'll all be over. The little gleam of light he had, the man put it out. 
so he got discouraged he didn't read his bible for like another month eventually told himself well i'm just gonna take god at his word and if i don't come off this bed it'll be because god lied because i'm gonna act on this verse of scripture mark 11 24. well um uh the january 1st of 1934 they moved from where they were staying to another part of town from north college street uh they moved um and um as they were they moved the furniture from all the rooms his grandfather on his mother's side that he was staying with at that time was a man of some means and they moved to another house and um, they moved all the furniture from all the rooms first and they moved him and the furniture in his room last there was um the harris funeral home they came with the ambulance mr mcdonald was the driver and then the man said i understand you've been bedfast for a year he said well not exactly a year about nine months to be exact then he told him he said if you feel up to it would you mind if we go to the courthouse square drive through the courthouse square so you can see some of the town mckinney then had a population of about eight thousand seven hundred and fifty people well as they approached that courthouse square you know there were different shops there jc penny company modo day uh 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 uh, dress shop a ladies ready to wear dress shop called the leaders you know perkins dry goods company you know different shops that were there in that courthouse square as he approached it it was he could turn his head as he was lying down in the ambulance a voice came against his mind and said to him look at those buildings look at them real good this is the last time you'll ever see them you never thought you'll have seen them if it wasn't for the kindness of mr harris and this is the last time you'll ever see those buildings of course that's a voice saying he's gonna die he said he clenched his fist uh dug the nails into the palms of his hands until they bled he said then he remembered mark 11 24 and the verse that preceded it mark 11 23 you know for verily i say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith then he said he said said believed it in his heart said it with his mouth i'll stand in the flesh and i'll see this courthouse square again said that was it with him that was the beginning point well february came and went he was still bedfast march april may and june but he said he was he still held fast his confession with bulldog tenacity i'll stand in the flesh and i'll see that courthouse square well august the 8th tuesday of 1934 after his mother had bathed him he popped up mark 11 24 in front of him he read you know therefore i say unto you what things ever ye desire then he said lord you know the burning desire of my heart is to have a, a well heart is to be healed here i, I am haven't never lived the doctors are telling me to get ready to die he said he wanted to live so much it was the burning desire of his heart he said when you pray he said i prayed he said believe he said lord if you were to tell me the problem with me is that i don't believe i'll have to tell you lied about it because i do believe i do believe he said that's when he heard these words on the inside of him yes you do believe all right as far as you know but that last clause goes with that verse it says and ye shall have them it says believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them then he saw he had been putting the cart before the horse that is to believe that he receives first and then he will have he he had been trying to have his healing first and then believe he's healed which is really just going by head faith 
natural human faith and mixed with some hope. He wasn't really believing in his heart that he receives his healing. So he said as soon as he saw that, he began to say out loud, I believe that I receive healing for the heart condition. I believe that I receive healing for the blood disease. I believe that I receive healing for the paralysis. I believe that I receive healing from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And um, cut the long story short, then he had a voice that said to him, now you believe you're well, said I sure do. Then that voice said, get up then. Well, people don't stay in bed at this time of the day. So he made the effort. He turned, put his feet on the floor, endeavored to stand. His knees sagged until they were almost touching the floor. He held on to the bedpost, said, I want to announce the presence of God the Father, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, uh, the angels of God. And I called the devil and every demon in this room to record that based on Mark 11, 24, I believe I received my healing said the moment he said that he felt a pitcher of warm, warm honey go over his body and that was it he got healed well he started preaching a baptist boy preacher eventually he assumed the pastorate of a church a community church uh, he used to walk uh, about um, walk like 8.7 miles to go to church you know to that church walked most of the way many times half at least half of the way most of the time well eventually he got baptized in the holy ghost thursday april 8 1937 eight minutes past six o'clock uh, uh, and then in the parsonage of um, the uh, pastor there 309 east greenville street in mckinney texas well pastored different churches as a Pentecostal, got the left foot of fellowship from among the Baptists, and then from 1934 uh, through to 1949, you know, first as a Baptist boy preacher, then as a, as a pastor, he uh, began in ministry. He actually pastored for a total of 11 years and nine months. First Sunday of February, of 1949 he stepped out into the field ministry at the lord's leading and as a field minister um, started first on the evangelistic field then uh, 1950 may of 1950 he had an audible voice while he was in houston texas the voice said to him i want you to go teach my people faith i've taught you faith through my word i permitted you to go through certain experiences You've learned faith both through my word and by experience. I want you to go teach my people what I've taught you. I want you to go teach my people faith. So that was the, that's the primary commission, the mandate that was given to Brother Hagin and to Rayma. Well, later that same year, September 2nd of 1950, while he was in Rockwall, Texas, he had another spectacular experience. Well, Jesus appeared to him. The entire vision lasted about one hour, 30 minutes. In the course of that vision, well, he was caught up to heaven. The Lord first showed him hell, the gates of hell, reminded him of his experience, how he was gloriously saved, told him, warn people about this place, that many of my children, they get saved. And after they get saved, they get all selfish. They don't uh, witness in their hearts to share with the lost. They don't do it. That salvation is the most important thing and that he needs to uh, tell people and believers need to know you know that um, we need to reach out to the lost then jesus showed him the soul winner's crown it looked so beautiful well caught him up to heaven 
and um, a number of things happened there. But in the course of that vision, Jesus gave him a special anointing to minister to the sick. So those two things are the main thrusts of Brother Hagin's call, faith and healing, to teach faith and minister healing to the sick. Well, during the course of that vision, Jesus said to him, he said, I called you before you were born. I separated you from your mother's womb. Satan tried to destroy your life before you were born and many times since then. But my angels have watched over and cared for you until this present hour. Then he said, just like I appeared to your mother before you were born, and I told her to call you John, which she didn't, you know. But the important thing is not the name you bear, is that you go in the power of the Spirit. And then Jesus now told him that I told her to call you John, because just as John the Baptist was a forerunner on my first coming, you'll be a forerunner on my second coming. Now, a few days after, his mom came to visit. And then he began to narrate that experience. And then he got to the place where he said, Jesus told him, just like I appeared to your mom before you were born. And his mother shouted, did he tell you about the name I was to call you? Did he tell you about the name I was to call you? Then she relayed her own side of that story. Now, Brother Hagin never shared this publicly never did even in the book i believe in visions he was careful how he it's put in that book in um, his uh, uh audio series my life and ministry he also was careful how he put this and his reason was he didn't want to attract attention to himself he didn't say it exactly the way the lord told him you know because he didn't want to uh he didn't want people to uh, feel attracted to him or see him like he was more than what he was or because he always put Jesus first. He always endeavored to magnify the Lord and to walk humbly before him and to walk in love and put God first, put the word first, put the people first. Well, um, later in the early 80s, the Lord began to deal with Brother Higgin that there's a move of the spirit that will be lost to this generation except they are led into it. Well, in 1987, when Jesus appeared to him, July 16, uh, be, a week before the annual camp meeting in Tulsa, and um, the vision lasted about two hours, 50 minutes. And then he said to him, it was part vision, part revelation. He said to him, he said, there's a move of the spirit that will be lost to this generation except they are led into it that there are other people who help get the job done on the faith teaching, such as, and then he said, Jesus called one name, Charles Caps, you know, who helped the job done, get the job done on the faith teaching. He said, I want you to teach about the Holy Ghost. So Brother Hagin began to then major on that side uh, about emphasizing the move of the Spirit. Well, in um, 1991, he spoke out of his spirit that he was going to begin having Holy Ghost meetings. Well, he didn't start having those Holy Ghost meetings till late 93, early 94. You know, uh, he had said that out while he was in Lakeland, Florida, preaching for Regis Cabo. Well, he asked the Lord, what's a Holy Ghost meeting? And the Lord told him in a Holy Ghost meeting, the word of God is preached and not taught. That's number one. Number two, the spirit of God is leading, he's guiding, he's in demonstration and in manifestation. Then number three, the needs of the people are met and they are full of joy. Said the Lord particularly emphasized joy in the Holy Ghost to him that it would be a major hallmark of his Holy Ghost meetings. Laughing in the spirit, dancing in the spirit, rejoicing in the spirit. So um, Brother Higgins started having those Holy Ghost meetings and he had them for quite a number of years until close to the end of his life when he now continued with them but now uh, 
also began to do the all faiths crusades again so um the purpose of brother hagen the purpose of his life was to help usher in jesus's second coming jesus's return that was the purpose of brother hagen's life the purpose of brother hagen's ministry as john the baptist was a forerunner of my first coming you'll be a forerunner of my second coming now in camp meeting 2001 for the first time ever brother higgin that tuesday now said that out which he had never said all his life and this was just two years before he died and then he said this is his purpose and that it wasn't just his purpose that it's the purpose of <coughs> the entire world of faith movement the purpose of the rhema family to help usher in jesus's return that all the rhema schools too international rhema schools they carry the same purpose that that's our purpose so what i'm uh, um, bringing out is this the commission to go teach my people faith and the other the other assignment also to teach about the holy ghost and um, to also demonstrate the move of the holy ghost the purpose of both assignments even his healing ministry too the purpose the main purpose was to help usher in jesus's return so it's in that context that jesus told him to go teach my people faith now if we don't see that in the right context the commission the message could get abused miles Munro always said this that when purpose is unknown abuse becomes inevitable so the purpose of brother higgins life the purpose of rema bible training center usa the purpose of all the rema bible training centers around the world the purpose of the rema family is to forerun jesus's return now jesus is not going to come we know from james 5 7 and 8 matthew 24 14 it he's not going to come until also from revelation 5 9 and 10 until every people group has heard the gospel he won't come until that has happened and so that's why this ties in with reaching the world with the gospel taking the gospel message around the world that's why training ministers brother higgins said i'm just one man how can i take this message of faith and then the lord had him to start rema bible training center in 1974 actually in 1973 january the lord said to him in the fall of this year i want you to have a, a, a faith seminar and an indoor camp meeting and then during the first um, monday night of that camp meeting while he was teaching on faith to be healed from acts 14 7 to 10 he suddenly spoke out of his spirit and said that's why we're going to start a bible school right here on this premises where people can be trained in the word and in the holy ghost well if you got an education or a degree you can hang it on a limbo tree and come in here and land the bible so rhema bible training center is focused on training people in the word of god and in the holy ghost however the purpose of that is to help usher in jesus's return so it's not just let's learn faith so we can have bigger cars so we can line up our pockets so we can uh live in luxury even though god wants us comfortable but the essence of it the thrust of it is not just that the thrust of it is the purpose of it is to help usher in jesus's return now luke 18 8 jesus said when the son of man comes shall he find faith on the earth so he certainly will need to find faith on the earth because he's coming for not a defeated church he's coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle 
we need to be walking in victory. Then, the message of faith is not just for ourselves. It's not just so we can heap blessings upon ourselves. It's really so we can go out and be a blessing to other people. Praise God. And there's nothing that reaches uh, other people like a spirit of faith. That's a pioneering spirit. That's what it takes to reach the unreached, to go to a virgin territory, to open up uh, 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 new works and plant churches. And so that's the, uh, in the heart of Rema's commission. Also, the Holy Ghost meetings and the emphasis on teaching about how to be led by the Spirit of God, teaching about the move of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, demonstrations of the Spirit. It's not just so we can all come together and shout and dance and run and get all excited just by ourselves, even though we should do that, and that's great. But it's really, in Acts 1-8, the Bible says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So the purpose of that also is really so that, yes, as we get refreshed, our own lives get impacted, but it's really such that we can have a fresh anointing to go out and reach the world with, with the gospel and edify believers for the uh, so that saints can be perfected, so that we can do the work of the ministry, and as a result, the body of Christ gets edified. So that's, um, in a summary, the purpose of Rhema is to help usher in Jesus' return. And it's in the light of that purpose that Rhema has the mandate, go teach my people faith. And the more we see this in that context, the better uh, equipped and the better prepared we are for it. So there's a finish line. And the finish line is the whole world hearing the gospel. Every people group hearing the gospel. That's the finish line. Praise the Lord.